We have been going through the Psalms, and we are at the next to the last Psalm uh, that we're, we'll be preaching from. We could not cover all the Psalms, 150 of them. Uh, Lord willing, next week we'll be at Psalm 150. Today we're at 145. Dave preached on 146. We're backing up to 145 uh, and uh, concentrating on this. This, this Psalm is uh, considered an introduction to the last Psalms, Psalm 46 to the end. Uh, it is like a, a prelude. It is like an introduction. Uh, it is praise to the Lord, and then it is a matter of spreading that praise and those truths throughout all our contacts and throughout the world. Let's stand as I read Psalm 145. Psalm 145. This is God's Word, His holy, inspired, uh, infallible, inerrant Word. Hear God's Word, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and, and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would take these words and apply them to our hearts and our lives. Make them come alive within us to your praise, to our meditation, and to our spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Praise to the Lord. 
Psalm 145 is about praising and proclaiming. We talk about sweet hour of prayer. And my, my guess is if we were to sing sweet hour of prayer, you know, in a prayer meeting and, and uh, then uh, talk about it or say, now, let's, uh, let's have an hour of prayer. Uh, you, you may think, that's impossible. I have a hard time getting through two and a half minutes, much less an hour. But during this COVID situation, we have had prayer meeting. And uh, rather than having a Bible study for half of it, uh, we have primarily prayed. Now, sometimes it's as short as 40 minutes. Sometimes it's as long as 50 minutes. We, 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 we sing uh, now that we've been able to sing together. But an hour is really not very long to pray to the Lord. I would, I would encourage you to set aside an hour. And find a place that is convenient for you to concentrate and not fall asleep and simply talk to the Lord. And you can use that outline, you know, Acts, um, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. But I would encourage you to, to do that so that you'd, you, would, you would have an understanding of what it is to sing Sweet Hour of Prayer. Think about David's life, David who wrote this. This is, this is the only psalm that specifically says this is, this is his prayer of praise. This is his psalm of praise, a psalm of praise of David. And he wrote a lot of psalms, and, and there's a lot of praise in them. But it, some, some folks think that maybe this is sort of one of his favorites and that as he went around um, running away from Saul or uh, as he went around early on taking care of the sheep and watching out for lions and bears, that he sang this over and over again. Uh, it's, it's, this is a sweet hour of praise. What would it be like if you were to take not only an hour and pray, which would include the wide variety of things that you, you pray about, praise and so forth, but, but to just have an hour of praise. If you have the outline there, you have a, a, a sketch of something of what David the king might have looked like, uh, playing his harp and, and uh, praising the Lord. And you could sketch that in, or color that in, and think about him, him praising and then taking the message to the world. Psalm 145 is the prelude to the great hallelujah conclusion to the Psalter. There have been five psalms of prayer. Matthew Henry calls them five begging psalms leading up to this. Uh, and uh, then you have six psalms of a hallelujah chorus of praise. I'll pass on to you one statement that Mr. Henry made that has made a, a difference to me thinking about this. He says, if you have been much in prayer, if, if you've really brought to the Lord your prayers, things that you have no answer to, things that, that seem impossible to you, you, you're bringing to the Lord your prayers, your, your begging psalms. If you have been much in prayer, 
then you will have much material with which to praise. I would encourage you that that's similar to what Malachi says when he says if you tithe and you're, you're scared to tithe, you say, I can't do without that 10%. And, and, but he says, if, if you do it, you will really be blessed to the place where you, you just almost can't hold it. It, just, it overflows. And that's, that's a huge promise, a direct promise there. I would say that this, this sentiment, which is not directly written out in the Bible, is probably something like that. That if you really invest your life in prayer, then when you want to praise, <laughs> you, you, you can look back on what you prayed for, look back to your prayer journal, and you go, wow, look what the Lord has done. I was so afraid of not being able to do this. I was so afraid that we were not going to have this. We couldn't get through this period of time. But look what he's done. If you've prayed a lot, you will have a lot to praise him over. The Psalter. Psalm 1 to Psalm 150 lays out before you a way to view world history. Don't pay any attention to those people who in their art and poetry and books try to tell you that the world is meaningless and is heading nowhere so that you might as well give up. Don't listen to them like... Albert Camus in L'Etranger, The Stranger. The way the protagonist doesn't have any meaning in life. And so one way he can get meaning in life is to, is to walk along the beach and shoot an Algerian and kill an Algerian on the beach so that he will have some meaning in his life. That's, that, that's meaninglessness, selfishness, and purposelessness. And that's in the culture all around us. It doesn't have to be existentialism like that. But, but the meaninglessness, why should I live, is all around us. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not the truth of the Bible. It's not the truth. And it's not what the Psalms teach. You long for the happy ending of a story. And so the, the writers and the artists and all... In, uh, want to put before you that there is no right ending to the story. There is no happy ending to the story. They want to tell you that this, it's all a, a dead end and there's no hope because they don't believe in the God who is there. The God who is there is directing history to the, a, high, a hallelujah end. He's directing history to all glory and praise to him and greatest fulfillment to you in Christ throughout, throughout eternity. Reality has a happy ending for those who are in Christ. And the invitation is wide open to any and all to join him in his blessed presence forever. And that's the way the psalms go. And that's why they end up with uh, these six psalms at the end, just beyond Psalm 145, sort of a hallelujah chorus at the end. To quote Matthew Henry again, he says, Praise is the conclusion of the matter. So what do we find here? We find uh, a command, an example to praise God from A to Z. Why do I say from A to Z? Well, Psalm 145 is an acrostic, meaning that it has 21 verses, 
And it goes A, B, C, D through the Hebrew alphabet, except that the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters and not 21. So one is left out, and it's nun, or the N, and I don't know why, <laughs> but I, I can help you remember that. Um, I mean, I, you, it's, it, so in a sense, n- nothing's left out, right? Not, none, nothing, and we have the old joke about Joshua, you know, who's, who's the man in the Bible who didn't have a father? Um, Joshua, the son of none. And there's the old riddle um, that the poor have it, the rich do not need the rich need it, and if you eat it, you die. Nothing. Well, that that was. It may take a while. Um, <clears throat> so, so what can you bring to the Lord to praise Him? Well, Psalm one forty five says, "From A to Z, from A to Z of your life." God, how, how has God worked to bless you, bless you in your life today? I hope you don't answer the way you probably answered many times after you got through with school. You know, what happened at school today? What did you do in school today? Nothing. Uh, there's never a day where the Lord blesses you with nothing. He blesses you from A to Z. He blesses you while you're asleep. The Psalms make that clear. He blesses you while you're awake. He blesses you uh, while the sun shines. He blesses you while the moon's up. All of that's in the Psalms. He blesses you all the way. Open your eyes. Open your heart. God is always working on you. What's he been doing? Nothing? Praise him from the A to Z of your life. Look at the first three verses. Praise the Lord from A to Z. I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. Verse 21, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. I will praise your name forever and ever. How do you do that? Well, you meditate on God himself, and that's found in verses 3 and 5 and 10 particularly. So he thinks about the Lord. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. On the glorious splendor of his majesty, of your majesty, and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. Will you not praise him? Will you not think about him? meditate upon him and turn that into praise before him just just for yourself just praise before him or maybe share that with your family or with cottage bible studies as we get started Uh, but to praise him do you not learn anything from from palm sunday They put their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it, according to Luke 19. They were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice. They began to praise for all the miracles that they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And maybe somebody will say that to you. Don't talk about God to me. Don't praise the name of a God who's not there. Don't listen to them. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. (laughs) Haven't we learned from Palm Sunday? Maybe James Ward's song has encouraged you. We sing it at vacation Bible school sometimes. Ain't no rock going to cry in my place. Ain't no rock going to cry in my place. As long as I'm alive, I'll glorify his holy name. Everybody praise his holy name all my life. As long as I'm alive, I'll glorify his holy name. We sing frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, that's the application of this psalm. Prayer and praising to yourself and then to the world. Worship him, God most high. You've been given a reason to praise the Lord, both in your heart and before your fellow man. As Psalm 145 shows you, you are on the mission field. If, if you were asked to write or participate in writing a missions handbook, what would you do? It has never been in your lifetime or before, it has never been acceptable to neglect or overlook outreach and missions, to think that the Great Commission had become unnecessary in these United States. But now, it is clear before all our eyes. If anybody ever thought that, if anybody ever thought, well, the United States is conquered by the kingdom. The United States is all Christian. So we need to concentrate on other places around the world. Uh, It doesn't take much academic analysis. It doesn't take the development of terminology like post-Christian culture to understand that we live on the mission field. If you haven't been going to the adult Sunday school class and you belong to that age group to go to the adult Sunday school class, the next time Dave presents uh, his what he's working on with the D-men, I encourage you to go because that's what he's dealing with. He's dealing with the spread of the gospel to children who grow up in the church, particularly in this culture and understanding this culture. That'll be on January the 2nd, the next time he'll come and present, Lord willing. It's clear before your eyes. We see where we live. Um, Born again on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again in spite of what the culture says. King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. If you want to study Psalm 145, if you want to highlight it, I can give you some suggestions about how to highlight it. As you work through it, you could, you could every time it says something about praise, you could highlight that in orange, which to me is gold, um, praising the Lord. For meditation, you could put it in pink, uh, pondering like Mary, thinking about these things. She praised the Lord. She, that's, that's what we started out with, the Magnificat, praising the Lord. That was all part of her. That, that's what she grew up with, and it just flowed out of her uh, as an adult virgin, 
um, and then as an adult young mother. Thanksgiving you could put in green. I always highlight Thanksgiving in green. That's specifically verse 10. And then you could highlight in blue those points of the, the, the psalm that talk about going out, proclaiming, speaking forth, giving the information to the world. And then finally the second half of verse 20 in purple because that's justice. So you, you pray and praise at home in your closet. In, that is in, in the, your favorite spot to read the Bible. And I, I think probably all of you, or almost all of you, have some favorite spot to do that. I, I see those spots. You tell me your, those spots. You point them out when I come into your home. So you have reading and meditation and prayer and praise right there. And then you go out to proclaim. As, as 1 Peter 3, 15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. We have an increasingly hopeless world out there. But you've got eternal hope, sure hope in Jesus Christ. And then it says, yet with gentleness and reverence to proclaim. Gold, the gold and jewels of heaven's revelation, you have been given. You proclaim Christ to the culture by what you say and by who you are, by who the Spirit is making you to be. You have today where you sit a treasure trove of gospel information. Yours is a treasure box on the outside bedecked with rare stones full of precious jewels and ornaments and crowns and bracelets and pearls and necklaces. In fact, you're clothed with them as well. Things that the world cannot get from the world, they have to come from heaven by revelation. By the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit working through all the struggles and joys and failures and disappointments and successes and surprises in your life, he has taken all your Christmas presents from the king and made them actually a part of you. For when someone has contact with you, no, they're not looking into a box filled with the priceless joy jewel or the rare peace pearl or the precious stone of self-control, but they see it in you. It's, they aren't looking in a box. They're looking at your life. And they see peace that they don't see any other places. They see joy that they can't find in this world, no matter how hard they, they run after it. See self-control in a person who is sinful and yet asks forgiveness when you fail. They see these almost never found extraordinary discoveries living in flesh and blood before them. As the Apostle Peter says in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. 
So it's not on the outside. And I'm not saying you shouldn't comb your hair. Uh, I'm saying it, you shouldn't put on a, a necklace, a beautiful necklace, or, 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 or dress to celebrate Christmas. But, but the point is that the, the real testimony is on the inside. No matter what's on the outside, it flows to the outside and becomes visible and observable and perceptible to all those around. So Psalm 145 has you worshiping the Lord at home, and then by your words and by your very being, you declare that glory to the world. Christ made it clear in, Psalm, in, in uh, Matthew 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, that the outside of it may be clean also. Mark says, Out of the heart of men proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within and defile the man. And, and you may say, when, when you hear that terrible list, you may say, that partially describes me. I've done some of those things. I've thought some of those things. I've said some of those things. I've lived that kind of life before. But I join with Paul as he says to us and to the Corinthian Christians, such were some of you. That's fine to admit it. You have to admit it if it is true. But you were washed from the inside out. You were washed. You were sanctified, made more like Christ. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. So I give you Jim Mitchell's testimony as it impacted many of us, including his great-grandson Bradley. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creature. The old things have passed away. The new things have come. So you have become a trophy of grace. You've lived the bad news of the gospel, and folks in your life may well have seen and suffered because of your sins. And now you're living out the good news of the gospel. People have seen and have been blessed by the power of grace in your life. The life of you, the sinner. So praise God and praise God and pass the ammunition. Praise God and pass along all that you have and all that you are to the next generation. Look at verse 4. This is the way we do it. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. In verses 6 and 7, tell of his goodness, tell of his power. Verse 6, men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and will tell of your greatness. They will eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout of your righteousness. You see how you're declaring that? Starting from your prayer room, your prayer sofa, your prayer desk in the kitchen, wherever it is, but it goes out. To the world. His gracious character, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The same thing he, he told Moses as Dave talked about earlier. Slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. 
His kingdom power in verses 11 through 13. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. His common grace to all. Whoever you're giving the message to, that person is given his or her breath by the Lord. Whoever you're talking to, if they ate breakfast, the Lord gave it to them. If they have a job to go to on, Sunday, on Monday morning, the Lord gave them the job. If they got paid, the Lord gave them the money. If they have a pillow, the Lord gave them the pillow. He does that to everybody. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. Verses 18 and 19, you may want to mark uh, to share with one another in times of need. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him. And then finally, yes, his justice. Verse 20. The B section of verse 20. You must share with people that judgment day is coming. That the sweet little Jesus boy, the holy infant, tender and mild, as true as those descriptions may have been in the little town of Bethlehem, this same Savior is now risen. He's the mighty God, as Isaiah said he would be called. He's the Prince of Peace. And he will come again to judge the world. Be different from the world. Speak differently from the world's speech. Live differently from the world's ways. Let them know by your words in life that there is a difference between righteousness and evil. And that evil, unforgiven, unatoned for evil, will be judged and punished in intensity and extent beyond the most severe horrors of our imagination. Even Jesus said, so just as the tares are gathered up and burned with the fire, so it shall be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels and will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the fire, furnace of fire in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You must pass this on if you love those around you. They need to know that the bridge is out on the road that they're, they're presently on if they're not in Christ. I heard the bells on Christmas Day is not about Hitler's being defeated. It's not about Osama bin Laden's being killed. It's not about gangs and cartels being driven out of town. It's not about looters being driven away from where you live or work. The Christmas promise of peace is not about peace between man and man, between nation and nation, between ethnic tribe and ethnic tribe, or between religion and religion. The Christmas promise is about the coming of the God-man who would represent God before man and represent man before God. Turning God's wrath from us 
upon himself. Jesus is not the United Nations. We all deserve the lightning bolt of God's wrath. He took that upon himself. And that's the peace that Prince of Peace is talking about. Jesus is not Dwight Eisenhower or Winston Churchill or Douglas MacArthur. He's not Henry Kissinger. He's not Ronald Reagan. He is God. He is God become man, accomplishing a peace that could not be compared to such comparatively minor earthbound events as Armistice Day or VE Day or VJ Day or the collapse of the Iron Curtain. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, of course, was writing about the North and the South. It was 1863. He talked about a terrible war. He says, Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the South, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then he bowed his head and says, no, there's no peace on earth. And then he recognized God is not dead. But what the Bible is saying is not praying for the end of the war. As, as good as that is to pray for. But it is to understand the Christmas promise of peace is about your relationship to God. That's the peace that the Christmas promise is all about. Your undeserved, blood-bought, carefully planned and carried out peace with God. And so as you follow Psalm 145, praise Him within. Meditate on who He is. Praise Him. Pray to Him. And then take that message confidently out to the world so that those in the world can have peace not nation to nation not even within families not first but peace with God